This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. You and I had a meeting with other people today about that we're quite excited about pulling together a workshop in Christchurch for the Citrans Conference, talking about decolonising the computing curriculum. That, and that was so exciting. It's really cool to be in a room with the people who are nodding and talking the same language. And because uh, that means we're a team for change. And I love that. Helen said afterwards, my, my colleague Helen, that it was such a relief to be in the room with three adopted um, Maori people talking about the the future of computing education. It doesn't happen very often. No, especially given that one of them is like the only one in a management position, the only Māori in a management position in IT for the whole country. That just in education, yes. How does that even happen? And it shows how we do need an approach that's one of um, partnership and one of making use of allies because we can't expect the, the two people who are in those roles to do all the work themselves. Exactly. So we're part of their team now. They're in trouble. (laughs) Change coming. And who are we introducing today? It's my great pleasure to introduce Hannah Wilson-Black. Hannah is the manager of Rekindle in Christchurch, which I'm so excited to hear about today. She's also the creative residencies coordinator for Te Matatiki Toi Ora, which is the um, old name, the new name rather, for the old name, which is the Arts Centre in Christchurch. Hannah, it's such a joy to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, kia ora korua. Thanks for having me. Kia ora, Hannah. Hannah, we've been asking people how their bubble life was and now their traffic light life. I know it's turning into history, but we're persisting with asking it anyway. How was your bubble life? Well, my bubble life was incredibly varied, I have to say. Um, It really, really ranged. Um, When we went into lockdown for the first time. Prior to that, as the pandemic broke out around the world, I was actually um, hiking. On, I was on a nine-day hike in Chile, away from internet access. And um, so I sort of emerged from that to quite a shock um, and then a real struggle to get home. Um, and uh, when I got home, I was unwell, so I was quite frightened that um, I had COVID. And, um, I was isolated in, in one bedroom in my um, wonderful sister's home ahead of the lockdown. Um, and 
yeah, it was a really, really um, difficult, surreal experience. Uh, and then I think just a few days after that, the country went into lockdown as well. Um, it turned out I didn't have COVID, so that was really, really good because <laughs> it was quite unknown at that time. But it really, it really shook me up, actually. Um, I've never felt so far away from home or so glad to be, to be back here. Um, but since then, um, some amazing things have happened. Um, and um, so shortly after that, unfortunately, I was made redundant in my current role, another challenge. But um, what, that, what that made way for was that um, I took on a role as the manager of Rekindle, which has been an incredible journey. Kindle's a, a resourceful craft workshop based in Ōtutahi. Um, it was founded over 10 years ago by Juliet Arnott, who's an occupational therapist. And in the beginning, um, Rekindle worked with uh, red-zoned houses. The material that was coming off them, the timber that was coming off them, was made into furniture um, and um, as a way to show that how precious the materials were, often beautiful native timbers. Um, that were going into the landfill at an incredible rate after the earthquakes in Ōtautahi. And that led on to an amazing project called the Whole House Reuse Project, where um, one house in the red zone was taken apart by hand, bit by bit, and parts of it were taken all around Aotearoa, and over 250 craftspeople made amazing objects, functional things from that. Culminated in an exhibition in at Canterbury Museum, and since then, Rekindles developed into teaching resourceful skills. So, resourceful skills being skills that are good for the well-being of humans and the planet as well. So, um, really thinking about where the materials we use come from and where they're going. Um, and so we teach here in Otutahi, we teach out wider in the community. We're actually on our way to Otipoti um, for Labor Weekend. There's five of us coming to teach and um, being hosted by Otago Polytechnic in Res Awesome. And uh, we've also um, recently launched our Craft Opportunities Program, which is um, for people who face barriers to access um, here in Otutahi, but we also teach online workshops as well. So, yeah, this, fast forward to the second lockdown, and um, it was quite a different story for me. I actually met my now husband in that time as well, and we moved in together the night before lockdown. Um, so it was a bit of trial by fire for the <laughs> relationship. But um, it went really, really well, and we actually, uh, it was really nice to be locked down. So I think the experience just showed me how vastly different that can feel depending on your circumstances and what's going on in your life. And at both times, I was in an incredibly privileged position. I had all the essentials for life. Um, I had a loving family and network of friends who I could connect with, albeit online. Um, so yeah, it really it really shows me, you know, how various impacts can can um, create really different situations for people. Yeah. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have come to together uh, the Beatles. Why this one? Well, something that we think is really important 
at Rekindle um, is that we, we teach um, craft skills such as weaving or um, greenwood carving or felt making, but um, we teach it in groups because we believe that working together has many benefits. It, you know, it helps with people feel um, part of a community, but also it helps them to um, co-regulate their nervous system. So a lot of what we do are, are founded in the occupational therapy values of what we do changes the way I feel, the way we feel rather, and and working together, sharing a purpose and um, in, a, in a warm and supportive environment is just so good for us. Um, so yeah, come together. I actually, when looking into the song, I found out that it was written um, actually in, as, a, as a rallying cry for John Lennon's political rallying cry for the writer, psychologist and pro-drugs activist Tiffy Leary. So I'm not actually advocating drug use here, just the coming together part. <laughs>
Hannah, when um when I listen to you speak, I can hear this deep passion for creativity, for community, and for people in general. You're driven by all of the important things, by the sounds of it. Where did all of that come from in you? What stimulated this for you? Wow. Okay. So so going right back, um, I've always been an artist, art lover. So, um, and I think that I partly get that from my nana, um, who who was an artist and an art lover. And um, I I always wanted to be an artist, and I went to art school, and I. Um, I did that for a while, but I was really, really lucky to kind of sort of somehow fall up and fall into the work of um, of of working to enable other people to make art as well and um, to to I guess be be an interface between that and the public in terms of enjoying it. So I've got a background in public programming for contemporary art galleries um, as well as being a printmaker myself. So I think it's just something that I've never questioned or it's always just been a part of me that um, knowing that creativity is vital, um, it's, just, it's just an innate part, part of my life and my personality, yeah. Is it mostly adults that you're working with? We also work with children. So we have done um, projects with tamariki in schools. Um, and we do run school holiday programs as well. And in, in previous roles, I've done a lot of work um, with children um, in education programs for art gallery. So I, I really love working with children. It's so different from working with adults. Uh, so different. And, um, you know, children are so much better behaved. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a different way of working. Children are really used to learning but for the most part. Um, and they have very different questions and priorities. It's really, really interesting. And so now when I do get the opportunity to work with children, I really relish it. Yeah. Have you noticed that that, that any of that has changed um, as kids are just more and more kind of on device now, screen time? Um, is, has that changed much or is that still the same? Are you still seeing the same kind of curiosity and excitement for learning? That's a great question, and I actually feel really strongly about offering alternatives, device alternatives, <laughs> to and, and educating because I think they get so much of it. I think it has changed a little, but I actually think that um, craft and 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 all the arts um, have a way of tap, you know, tapping into the interest of children that they can kind of forget about those things that they really value in devices for a while when they come and be really focused in the moment. You know, if you put a piece of wood um, or a tikoka leaf in the hand of a child and show them that they can make something really beautiful and useful out of it, um, it's quite transformational, really. And so I think that, yes, that's, that's there, definitely, but... Yeah, off, offering them a different way of being in the moment is still powerful. 
How do we keep the momentum for that going when they leave and go home and back into routine and parents who are also on device? Like, how do we, there seems to me there's this transformation that needs to happen and I just don't know how to make it happen. That's a hard one, but um, I think that if we can get Bano together to have these sorts of transformational experiences and to um, see the value in that and see the change in their children and in each other, then that is more likely to be carried on in the home. Um, but I th also think, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, the fault of families <laughs> that this is the way it is. You know, like this, this is something that's happening around them and to them and the way that society is shifting. And they often have very little control, particularly if they don't have resources. Um, so I think, you know, there's an obligation to be supporting people um, by giving them opportunities and alternatives and, and making sure that those are funded as well. Absolutely. Where should that funding come from? Is philanthropy, like all the community trusts and um, those terrible pokey trusts uh, and all of the other trusts that put money into the creative arts, are they resourced enough to support this or do does there need to be more government funding? I believe there needs to be more government funding. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that all the you know that we we are reliant on those on those um enterprises or trusts and, and as you say often some of them are they don't they're not a good fit for the ethics of an organization that is focused on um well-being of, of people and the planet um and there are so many good organizations out there doing good work that needs support um and there's so many barriers to access for people, um, not just financial. It might be, might be their health, or um, actually, you know, they're isolated, or you know. So there's there's so many reasons why this sort of work should be supported. I think when you are um, t taking something like a house and breaking it down and getting all of these products and then turning those products into, you know, giving people the opportunity to turn those into other things. Do the people know the whakapapa of, the, of where that's come from? Well, this is something that we are increasingly encouraging, absolutely. The whakapapa of the um, materials that we work with is really um, central to what we do. Um, we, that was... Uh, that project was before my time at Rekindled. I can't talk specifically about those things, but certainly um, there was a, a big collaboration with the homeowners of that home who were really involved in that project and, and was, I understand it was a really emotional journey for them, um, but also a lot of attention paid to the fact of, uh, to acknowledging where those resources had originally come from as well, that they had been milled out of um, forests in Aotearoa that shouldn't have been milled, um, that sort of thing. But now at Rekindle, you know, we work with um, we work with a number of materials. Some of them are recycled and reclaimed, but more, more often than not, they're materials that are either abundantly available um, and can be responsibly foraged or harvested in our local environment, such as tikoka leaves or 
or known as also cabbage tree leaves, which fall from the tree onto the lawn and then are difficult for the lawnmower. And when we work with that resource, we're really thinking about um, its whakapapa as a tanga species in Aotearoa and um, that it has been woven with before um, colonisation and um, is still woven with by um, Māori artists. And, um, you know, we work with that. We actually teach um, traditional European weaving techniques with it, but actually acknowledging the impact um, that colonisation has had on traditional Māori craft practices within that workshop and where the tikoka has come from and the awa that have nourished it and practising the appropriate tikanga within those workshops to respect that and make sure that people go home really informed about that material is super important to us as well. That's beautiful because when we acknowledge the whakapapa of things that makes us more responsible, I think. Yeah, especially for making sure that we're contributing to there being things like cabbage tree down the line for other people to have that experience. That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree with everything, every material we use that there's thought put into that. Yeah. We've had a couple of people on the show over time, which is 400 and something, 420, 430 episodes. We've, we've talked about so many things, but one of the things that always sticks in my mind um, is our conversations about if you produce a product, then you should also be held responsible for how that will be recycled, reused, or yeah, and how much of an impact that would have on on your choice to produce a product in the first place. Yeah, also something hugely important that we think about and kōrero a lot about um, within our team of craftspeople when we're developing a workshop because teaching, passing on that skill to someone, you know, you, you might be responsible for thousands of these things being in the world eventually. <laughs> Um, and that's something we think really carefully about, um, you know, is this material um, going to be, be here in this form forever or will it break down? Can it be composted? Um, is it, if we're using a recycled material, can that resource be re-recycled and therefore should we not be turning it into something else that then can't be recycled? Um yeah, there's so many considerations when it comes to thinking about what happens to that thing when it leaves our workshop as well. Yeah. My son, Jack, uh, is uh, once a month volunteers at the Sunday market here in Fakatani. They have a recycle, reuse, re reduce, reuse, recycle it is. Those are the three R's. And he volunteers there. And the things that he learns... He comes home because they recycle light bulbs and batteries and plastics and like everything. It blows my mind. But do you think that we're enabling our kids with enough of that kind of knowledge? I actually think the kids are leading um, in this area. Uh, and I guess we can think the work that's done in, in schools for that as well. But I, I really think that our tamariki are the most onto it. I mean, we saw that over the last few years um, in regards to climate action around the world as well in terms of um, 
children standing up for their futures because after all it's going to affect them and um, their children and their moko the most. So, you know, yeah, I I actually think that uh, children are doing really well in that area and it's us that currently hold more power that need to do more. Yeah, yeah. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui, kia koutou, koutou ahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more in each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect. And here, making things. Thank you. Now I know that for us all the last more than two and a half years have been very trying and we've had to develop so many new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling. And this process is a process of adaptation and this process is a process of learning and co-evolution with all life in an infinite web. And as we traverse the new landscapes appear before us each day, it's so important that we give ourselves and each other all the compassion, all the love, all the kindness that we so richly deserve and that we are aware at all times that we're doing us. I know that for myself so much has changed and I'm so grateful of course that I'm alive now and despite all these new and unforeseen consequences it's wonderful to be here and be surrounded by beautiful and inspiring people like yourselves in our beautiful and inspiring world that there's so much all the time that we can draw inspiration from as I speak to you now listening to the birds singing as I speak to you now gazing upon the beauty of so many well crafted and well thought out objects of perfection all of these creations that surround me I'm reminded of course that as a species we excel in the creative realms that we are innately creative and that we have this ability this real talent to gaze upon the world around us draw inspiration from it and create something new as a response and we all do this all the time of course as we know our construct of the human world is peopled by ideas brought into being ideas brought to life dreams brought to life and I know for all of us the creative process is different but it begins, I feel, as this process of dreaming and envisioning something new. Sometimes these ideas and creations might arrive fully formed all of a sudden and take us by surprise. Or it might be an ongoing process that might take years, it might take a lifetime and then beautiful creations arise. And how lucky we are that we have this ability. How lucky we are that our lives themselves are creative offerings. How lucky we are that every word, every movement, every thought can be a creative offering, a gift that we're giving to our beautiful world to say thank you for our life. And of course this process of manakitaka and gift-giving exchange is also so much a part of who we are as a species. 
that it feels right to us to say thank you, that it feels right to us to acknowledge the gift of our lives, that it feels right to us to fulfill the potential, fulfill the capabilities and the, the role that we've been given in this world, how lucky we are. It's really fascinating. So of course, being part of the show, I feel a huge gift to me. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me and to all of you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Hannah Wilson-Black of Rekindle in Christchurch. Hannah, Rekindle itself and other programs, like I'm thinking of the Getting Through Together uh, program because I've got posters of it on my wall, both came out of the earthquakes. And do you think that those sort of community programs, you know, come from trauma? Have they been given a... A, a, a bit of a boost by the, the recent challenge? Does does community need those sorts of things? Well, I will say that actually Rekindle was doing work just before the earthquakes. It actually started in Auckland with Juliet and she bought it here because she saw a great need for it. And I think that's that's quite beautiful that there was that response and she was asked by by people down here as well to to bring it here and it just seemed like the right um, place to be doing what they were doing at that time. Um, we also, after the first lockdown, we actually um, experienced a real flood of interest in learning resourceful skills. And I think it was because people had spent a lot of time at home looking at what was around them. They maybe had a little extra time on their hands if they weren't trying to juggle work and childcare at the same time. And um, they were also tuning in perhaps to the the environment around them a little bit more. We saw an increase of bird life here in Ōtotahi. People were taking walks in their neighbourhood and being really present and noticing things. And so we actually saw quite a, an influx. We, we were lucky to be able to... Um, have support from Creative New Zealand to record some film workshops during that time as well um, so that we could get our work out on uh, digital platforms so that people could actually access it. But I certainly think that um, adverse um, situations like we've experienced with the quakes and the pandemic um, have shifted people's um, interests and desires um, to to come together in community, um, but also to to have an outlet or a focus where they can work with their hands and connect their their hearts and their minds um, as well. So I do think it makes a difference. Absolutely, it's been a lot more challenging this year with the a lot of sickness in the community. To get people together hasn't really always been appropriate or um, people are preferring to learn remotely. So um, that, that's actually been a, a bigger challenge in terms of impetus towards doing this sort of work. Do you think that there is a feeling for the the value of these skills and us not losing these skills, perhaps as these skills as resources in their own right? Yeah, I think I think we're understanding more and more 
how precious uh, traditional skills are, particularly in Aotearoa, where the most resourceful um, skills in the craft area in this land are those of of Māori, of our Indigenous people, and we are understanding more and more the um, responsibility to support the preservation of those skills and um, and also develop them within contemporary contexts. Um, and and so we work with Kairaranga at Rekindle that that teach those skills as well. Um, and we hope to work with many more in the future. Um, but we also are looking, we have craftspeople who are of, uh, who are Pākehā, who have European ancestry, and we're looking at traditional skills that have come from afar as well. Um, or perhaps they are, like we have um, a craftsperson who has a Korean background who teaches Jogakbo, which is a traditional Korean patchworking technique. I think people are really understanding more and more that um, traditional cultural practices are really valuable and should be preserved because they are typically incredibly resourceful as well. Yeah. Do you have a favourite skill or a favourite workshop? Ooh, that's like asking me to pick my favourite child, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I in the future, we hope to be teaching to weave with willow. Um, and we've been very fortunate to be um, looking after a willow coppice on the banks of the Waimakariri um, near the Otukaikino um, Awa um, for the last few years. Um, so we care for that. It's a, a non-invasive basketry willow coppice. Um, and I wove my first willow basket earlier this year after a few years of um, helping tend to this beautiful um, resource and I just loved it like it was just really 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 amazing experience and I'm really looking forward to doing more of that and I'm hopeful that we will be able to um, grow enough to teach people as well into the future yeah that's a real good example of the slow release of of value Absolutely. These good things take time. They take nurturing. So you are coming to Dunedin at Labour Weekend? We are. We're so excited. We're really grateful to our hosts at Otago Polytechnic and also Res Awesome who are supporting us. We have, I think it's 13 workshops across three days. Um, it ranges from greenwood carving, carving a spoon, to learning how to sharpen your household tools and domestic implements to weaving with tikoka to making a brush um, from hazelwood and tikoka to felt making and eco printing so there's so much on offer and um yeah we're really excited we've it really is in response to um a lot of people contacting us um, from from where you are and asking us to please please come down we've been um we've been before a couple of years ago and the workshop sold out within a few days and um so we've put a whole lot more on this time to hopefully people will be able to um grab a spot they just need to go to our website 
to find that program, which is www.rekindle.org.nz. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Bill Withers. Lovely day. Why this one? Well, this one was the first song that the band played at our wedding earlier this year. Um, They're a local band called Eat My Shorts. They were fantastic. Um, And uh, so when I think of that song, I think of that wonderful day that um, my husband and I had. And I also think about... um, the pee that I've got in my belly at the moment, which is due in December. So, yeah, special song for us. When I wake up in the morning, love Sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's alright with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be
Hannah, we have seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope is going to stick? Yeah, that, I think that's a hard question because something over the last wee while that's, that I've felt or the way that I've changed is not thinking too far <laughs> into the future because I feel like things can change so quickly. But I really hope that what sticks includes um, understanding the value of community in, in a crisis situation um, and and those values of togetherness or kotahitanga, which is so important. Um, you know, Ōtutahi has seen a lot over the last um, 10 years. And um, I think, yeah, I think those um, values of kindness and, and respect for each other are really, really important. And I think, I really hope that those things stick. Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger, those longer term sorts of questions that we face? I'm thinking of things like climate change and social justice. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, something that I've learned over this time that I would like to apply in the future is um, to when something happens to just to to slow down a little bit and and think about the consequences of things um in the moment i think at the beginning uh there was a lot of floundering going on um i certainly felt that way in the work that i was doing at the time i was a public programmer and i i didn't i'm not really uh technologically savvy um and um and so yeah rushing into to trying to do everything online didn't serve me or the people I was trying to serve very well um so I think yeah taking time to take a breath and stand back and think about um what what is a practical way to, to go about something and do we need to act right in this moment or is it better to come up with a a good plan that we can resource and stick to um, into the future. And saying that, to, to your point about climate change, I think that is urgent, <laughs> absolutely urgent. Um, and I think people know what to do about it. Um, we, we, we know what we can do about it. Um, and, and I think that more, more emphasis needs to be placed on the bigger systems rather than individuals. Um, you know, our act individual actions are so important, but actually we, we are um, part of big systems um, that need to change, absolutely. What do you think is the future of Rekindle? Do you have like a, a five-year vision or something? We do, we do. We, um, we're really keen. So we're becoming a charitable trust this year, which is really exciting um, and better reflects the kind of work we do. Uh, so we haven't made money in a long time or whatever. And um, we really want to reach um, further out of Ōtutahi um, into the regions and, and across Aotearoa. We have a vision of a really well-linked network of 
craftspeople and um, who who can practice throughout Aotearoa and be supported in that practice. Um, so we're working on some projects at the moment, um, just in the very initial phases and hoping to get funding for these where we can um, we can support craftspeople throughout Aotearoa to develop their skills and and make their um, work more sustainable, but also reach reach many more people, and particularly people who face those barriers to access that we talked about. Yeah. Because we certainly want to see a, a way that we can share those skills more and more. Absolutely, yeah. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, I think the biggest success has been um, just uh, being able to make things happen uh, in general. I think that's being able to, you know, get through these challenging times and and still be able to deliver and make projects happen and serve people in the way that I can I can do best over this this time. Yeah. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called tomorrow's heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are in that team what's your superpower uh i think having a vision and being able to make it happen would be the superpower do you consider yourself to be an activist i think uh i think sometimes i think it depends on the cause and my energy levels but i will say that i have uh, no tolerance for sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobia. Absolutely. So, yeah, we, when I can be. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, what gets me out of bed in the morning? That's kind of funny because I'm not really a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what gets you out of bed in the <laughs> afternoon? What gets me? Uh, what keeps me up at night? Um, I think I think serving others, knowing knowing that knowing that what I do can make a difference, um, I find really rewarding. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, it's got to be the arrival of our baby. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't think of a bigger challenge. <laughs> but um, but in regards to um to rekindle I think it will be um bringing people back together after this season of um ill health that many people have had particularly in Ōtutahi it's been you know quite high and um and yeah following through on those projects we talked about um yeah lots of work to do have you got somebody making felt booties do you know we do have someone who makes felt slippers, and you can learn to make your own felt slippers, um, adult-sized ones, when you um, come to our workshops in Aotearoa. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Do you know when I um, when I started telling people I was pregnant, the number one piece of advice or the thing that people said most to me was, "You'll get a lot of unsolicited advice." So I'm actually not not in the uh, of the business of giving advice out at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought 
I better I better um, practice what I preach. Um, but but if I had to, I guess I would say um, stay connected, stay connected to to people around you, whether be that, that be your extended fano or your friends or your um, colleagues, your work community, or might be a community gardens. You know, stay connected. Yeah. Thank you for that, Mawera. That is very sound advice indeed. Um, connected, we can make anything happen. We can fix a lot of things. Standing in our silos, a lo- lot more difficult. Hannah, the work you do is just wonderful. And I love how you are enabling people to live their best lives, really, and um, being so responsible for our environment and teaching that kaupapa. Um, you are definitely on the change team, and I admire you for that. Thank you. And all the best for the journey ahead. Oh, kia ora. Thank you. Thank you. One heart, one life, one planet to inhabit. Only one chance left, a honey to our children in one piece. For the damage is too much, but only if we all keep the habit now. One heart, one life, one planet to inhabit. Only one chance left, a honey to our children in one piece. For the damage is too much, but only if we all keep the habit. Corporate can incorporate anything above a lot of money in their mental state. Then we rely on the state to regulate all these people to account for all the mess they make. But wait, there's one problem with this proposition. Cause whether leading or in opposition, every single politician is on a mission to take his own position. Use it for his own ambition, like he's on a commission. But it's the same old story, Labour or Tory. Or if you want to, just don't ignore me. Until we separate the business and politics Politicians are gonna listen to all the lobbyists Until we separate the money and the media People stay obedient and power gets greedier Until we separate the lies from the fact Well it's one step forward but it's two steps back One half, one life, one planet to inhabit Only one chance left to hand it to our children in one piece For the damage is too much but only if we all kick the habit now One half, one life, one planet to inhabit Only one chance left to hand it to our children in one piece Damage is too much, but only if we all kick the habit. Rest of them, selfishness gets the better of the best of men. It's like the emperor's new clothes are full of holes. May I suggest we take a rest and get dressed again? Cause this mess we're in. Oh, oh, oh. It isn't going anywhere unless we're investing in. Oh, oh, oh. The future generation don't allow the wickedness to win. Oh, oh, oh. We're heading for disaster, but we can arrest the trend. Stand testament to a future where humanity is blessed again. One heart, one life, one planet to inhabit Only one chance left to hand it to our children in one piece Before the damage is too much, but only if we all kick the habit now One heart, one life, one planet to inhabit Only one chance left to hand it to our children in one piece Before the damage is too much, but only if we all kick the habit I'm a cynical, lyrical animal Spinning the manner of flammable mannerism Till I'm shackled and manacled like that Cannibal Hannibal, I'm in it to win it Pushing the limit, minute to minute But barely beginning to get You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. You don't even know.
We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is the Undercover Hippie. One heart, one life. Heart, one life. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Wira Karatai in Fakatani and in Otanahi Christchurch. We've been joined by Hannah Wilson-Black. You can find more about Rekindle's Otipoti Tour at Labour Weekend on www.rekindle.org.nz That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.